Good evening, everybody. Right back at you. Good morning, good evening, and good night. My name is Mark, and uh, I am up here teaching in place of Nick. Nick and his wife, Laura, are now wending their way over to Israel, and they will be gone for the next week or so. And when he asked me to take over teaching for this night, I was like, excellent. So as the Bibles are being passed, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit with the story. If you guys remember the last time I was up here, I came up here and I told this wild story about uh, Bible memorization and just the sword drill business. But tonight the story is kind of a more generic one, but it does involve my childhood. And it goes something like this. When I was your age, and the older adults in the room can attest to this, we did not have things like travel leagues for sports. We did not have, well, we barely had cable. We certainly didn't have social media. We didn't have streaming services. I mean, you know, things were kind of bleak. And so the one thing you did not want to do on the rare occasion that you found yourself without schoolwork or sports or anything else to do is vent in front of your mother and say something like, man, I am bored. Because I can tell you, in an instant, what would happen is your mother would come back with this. Well, if you're bored, I can find something for you to do. You never wanted your mother to say that. And if you've ever been in that position, you know exactly where I'm going next. Minutes later, you'd find yourself cleaning out the attic, washing the car, I mean, mowing the lawn, on and on and on. She'd get out her list and you'd be there for days. So never, ever, ever use that word boring in front of your parents. Learn from me. That's my free little bit of advice for you guys tonight. So we're going to get right back into the teaching after our game night last week. And if you guys remember, uh, the topic is lenses. And we're kind of busting apart some of those lies that are floating out there in the Christian walk. And tonight's lie is Christianity is boring. And if you go to the dictionary online... The rote definition for boring is tedious, dull, lacking in interest, and some synonyms for that can be unsatisfying, stale, uninteresting. Any of those words resonate with anybody? So at the top of this time, why can we feel this way about our walk with Christ? Maybe we've known some people in our lives that we've tried to talk to about this walk that we're doing with Christ, and they said, man, that, that, that sounds terrible. That doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Um, so my question is, is if the faith is indeed boring and unsatisfying, how can we bust that apart? How can we break that apart, look at it through the right lenses, and come up with the idea that maybe it's not. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of this time tonight, the answer to this question is no. No, it's not. But let's explore that further. And before we explore it, now that you guys have your Bibles, let me start off this time with a word of prayer. Father God, I pray at uh, this moment that this... Uh, this lesson would be transformative, Father God, that it may not just be me up here talking and uh, just giving some information uh, to this room, that uh, 
this lesson would be taken outside of these four walls and it would be used to transform and grow and uh, expand our minds when it comes to walking our lives out with you. And so, Father God, I pray that uh, your spirit flow through me and uh, make your words uh, my words at this point. So it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk to you guys about is this idea that in life we all need to be happy. You guys uh, ever hear that? I think Nick had a picture up here uh, a couple weeks ago and it said, you know, do whatever makes you happy. That idea is certainly floating out there. Um, is happiness a wrong ideal to have? No, no it's not. Um, in certain circumstances, happiness can bring us out of some dullness, can bring us out of some staleness. The problem begins when we grab a hold of happiness at all costs. And the problem with happiness at all costs is that we can get caught up in the pursuit of happiness. Why is that a problem? Well, a lot of times people will find themselves engaging in this idea of happiness at all costs by uh, indulging in sinful behaviors. And the problem with sinful behaviors is that um, sinful behaviors offer this idea of diminishing returns. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? So diminishing returns is this idea that um, the more I do something, uh, the less satisfaction I get out of it. So therefore, I have to keep indulging, I have to keep sinning, I have to be doing more and more crazy things in order to get the same rush and the same level of satisfaction out of this sin or this behavior that I'm engaged in. And as a result of that, you end up finding yourself taking more risks and involved in worse and worse situations very oftentimes. And you quickly find out that this idea of happiness is, uh, is temporary, is very temporary. And instead of this happiness that we went for in the first place and fulfillment, uh, you're gonna find yourself empty, grieving, remorseful, and uh, a lot of times battling with shame. So happiness, true happiness is created by and found in Christ and he is the one who blesses us with all things. I want you guys to find First Timothy Six, six and seven. Alright, 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. Godliness with contentment is great tame, is, is great gain. So keep that idea in mind to just be content in your circumstances, and while happiness is not a bad thing. Um, if it's gone about in the wrong way, and if it's, again, leading into that idea of sinful behavior and diminishing returns, it's, uh, it's going to end up uh, taking you in a, in a bad place. So another thing I want you guys to think about tonight is that apart from happiness, um, our walk with Christ is actually supposed to be challenging, and it's going to be tough. Um, as we grow in our faith, we're going to encounter trials, hardships, and times of learning. And believe it or not, those, those times are not meant to scare or discourage us. They're actually meant 
to help us grow. And again, in the Bible, if you guys would find James 1 and 2, uh, we're going to find out a little bit about how we're supposed to face trials. So go ahead and find James 1, 2. James 1, 2 says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Consider it a great joy when you experience various trials. Have you guys ever thought about trials in that manner? That we're supposed to face them with joy? It doesn't feel very joyful at times when we're going through things. But it's a training procedure. It's a lesson in endurance. Uh, the more we train and the more we endure, the stronger we get in our walk with Christ. So as we endure, God's going to lead us through trials. And as he does that, we begin to become a living example of God's grace and blessing. And believe it or not, as you're going through those trials and God's leading you through them, you're going to begin to become an inspiration to other people around you because they're going to see you going through what it is you're going through and they're going to take hope from that. And you're going to end up impacting people for the kingdom of Christ through your trial. Um, I'm reminded of a missionary couple way back in the day. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the name of uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. And the Elliots were missionaries that uh, went to Ecuador. And uh, they were trying to reach this unreachable tribe called the Harani. And the crazy thing was, is the, almost the very minute they landed uh, Jim's small plane to become a missionary uh, couple to these people, um, the tribe rushed out and killed Elizabeth's uh, husband, Jim, and four of his closest friends that were with them. Um, <laughs> instead of abandoning their calling, going home, calling it a write-off, saying forget it, uh, Elizabeth, Jim's wife, actually stayed with the very tribe that killed her husband for two more years, reaching that tribe for the gospel of Christ when nobody would have faulted her uh, for turning around, forgetting it, and going home. Um, that's joy in trial. That's definitely joy in trial. Um, I love a quote of hers, uh, that, uh, and she's known for many, many quotes, as is he. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of hers is, The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Very often as we're going through trials, we tend to pray that God would remove us. But, but her desire was that uh, as she goes through trials, that uh, it would be Christ in her, not her own uh, self-will. So, talking about boredom again, and uh, a lot of times when you talk to people about your faith, they can start talking about how, well, I, you know, if I became a Christian, then I'd have to give up fun. Have you guys ever heard that? You guys, you guys have to give up fun. Um, actually, what we're giving up is sin. <laughs> not not fun. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, there's that whole thing about diminishing returns and uh, sin, the longer we let it stay in our lives, um, it's less and less fulfilling. 
It doesn't satisfy. Um, so we experience fun in our lives, actually, as Christians, when we do two things. Um, the first is when you go beyond minimum. Let me explain. Um, if your Bible is at home, but it's on the shelf, maybe it's a little dusty. Um, if you're not regular in your church attendance, if uh, you're not giving towards church causes, if you're not tithing regular, um, if you're a certain way here and a completely opposite way at work, home, or school, that's the minimum. That's the minimum. So when we begin the regular practice of studying the word, helping others, going above and beyond, I can guarantee you that fun and joy will actually follow. The other way is using your talents and gifts. We've talked about talents and gifts before in this room. Um, we're all born with talents. You know, they might be athletics, they might be music, uh, you know, mathematics, any of those. Um, and we can study and develop those uh, a little further, but we're also given something called gifts at the moment of salvation. And gifts are Holy Spirit driven. They can often look like our talents and the Holy Spirit can often take a talent and turn it into a gift. And the big difference is that spiritual gifts, aside from talents, spiritual gifts are developed solely by the Holy Spirit and often developed in a way, in a manner, and over, above, and beyond what we could ever develop on our own, in our own flesh. So, through doing all these things, through just not allowing sin in, through using your talents and gifts, through going above the minimum, um, you're going to quickly realize that you're never going to become bored as a believer. And as you do that, you're also going to recognize a calling. See, God puts these gifts in our lives for a purpose. Uh, the catechism, Westminster Catechism, I know long-haired, really old, ancient stuff, but one of the first things in the catechism, it says that our chief purpose here on this earth is to glorify God and, and love him forever. And we glorify God through the use of of these gifts. So these gifts and these talents, they shouldn't lie dormant within us. We should always just be in a prayerful attitude of how can you use those gifts and those talents that you've given me uh, for, for you, for God. So I'm going to challenge you guys to maybe, I don't know, volunteer in the nursery. Maybe help out with Michaela's Easter celebration. You know, do some other stuff in the church. Teach at VBS. Um, use that musical ability. Use that musical ability. And you saw some of our teens doing that just now. Where's Byron? Byron, could you come up here a minute? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single somebody out in the room, but it, it makes... Yeah. Give him a hand. This way. Closer. Closer. Is, is this close <laughs> sure. Yep. Clo closer? 
So the reason I brought Byron up here is because, Byron, you've, you've got a distinct talent. Could you tell us what your distinct talent is? I mean, you've got a couple, but the, the main big one. Uh, are you talking about piano? I am talking yes. about piano, okay. yes, yes. Now, anybody can play the piano, right? So when, when did you start playing the piano? I started around when I was what, seven years old, Okay. so 2014. Okay. All right, so you've been doing this a while. You practice pretty much on the daily basis? Yeah, three to four hours. Wow, three to four hours a day. Now, there are people in here that play the piano, but there is something uniquely different about you that makes the fact that you play piano very, very interesting. Would you care to share any of that? Right. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I have a very severe visual impairment uh, called LCA. Um, it basically affects every aspect of my vision, uh, major peripheral field loss. I am blind at night. I can't see anything unless like somebody has a light shining on something. Um, so you know, when, I, when I'm traveling outside at night, I can't see a thing. Um, my visual like, acuity is not the greatest either. That's also impaired depth perception, color blindness. I mean, you name it, basically any, every, any and every part of my vision is severely impaired. So it definitely poses a challenge uh, when it comes to piano. So when you play, can you read music as you play? Yeah, or? yeah, I can, okay. I can read music fine. Okay. for now. Cool. For now. Because my vision will get worse eventually. Don't want to think about that, yeah. but it'll happen. Wow. So all that to ask this, obviously what you have is a talent. How, how have you been given opportunities to use now your talent as a gifting? Like, like how has that been developing over time? I feel like since I've been coming to church, you know, starting 2021, I mean, God's given me plethora of opportunities to use that. I mean, uh, Christmas Eve, communion, uh, here in the worship band, I mean, countless opportunities to just use the gift of music to bless other people. That's amazing. And you're planning on going to college? Yes, I plan on going to college for and piano performance. Wow. wow, amazing. Thank you, Byron. Appreciate you sharing. So I wanted to bring him up here tonight because I wanted to show you guys that um, despite his challenges, he's developing a talent and using a gift to better the kingdom of God. And if you've ever heard him play on a Sunday morning or Christmas Eve service, he did Carol of the Bells for us. It was absolutely amazing. And more amazing, in particular, on Christmas Eve, he played that entire piece like four or five minutes long with no music in front of him. So I, I can't even. So talents, gifts. Um, I want you guys to remember a few things. Christian walk should never, ever be boring. We're given so much to do. We're given so much to do in so many gracious ways to do it. And as we use our talents, gifts, and abilities to bless others, we go by beyond any feelings of staleness, dullness, or dissatisfaction. You're making an impact in the lives of others. Um, that should excite and fire you up. You're making an impact in the lives of other people. Um, secondly, um, we need to abandon the idea that we need to pursue any types of 
sin in order to remove the boredom that we may be feeling. And I want you guys to remember that the rush from that is only momentary and it's very, very dangerous. I want you guys to pursue lives of godly purpose. I want you guys to serve others. I want you guys to spread the gospel. And I want you guys to promote joy and peace and develop lasting, valuable relationships with people that do the same. And in closing, if you guys really would have a desire to know maybe what your calling, what your gift is, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, we have a method. It's not a foolproof method, but it's, it's a pretty decent method for figuring out where your spiritual giftings might lie. And it's a simple test you can take online. And uh, if you guys are interested in that, we can show you where to go uh, to grab a hold of that and, uh, and figure some of this stuff out on your own. So I wanted to give you guys plenty of time in group. Uh, there are nine questions that I'm asking of you tonight, and, and all very worthwhile. And uh, I want you guys to not be bored with this walk we call Christianity. It is vibrant, it is real, and uh, he wants to use you guys in amazing and powerful ways. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this, this room, and I thank you for your word. Um, that uh, teaches and uh, is so alive, uh, even though it was written so long ago, Father God, it is as relevant today as it was when pen hit the page uh, thousands of years ago. And so, Father God, I just pray that uh, we would never be in a place where we find our walk with you boring. I pray that you would just reveal yourself to each and every one of us in a powerful way and help us to realize what our calling and our purpose is. Uh, Father God, we love you and we honor you, and uh, we pray for each and every heart in this room tonight that it would walk in tune with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, small groups, guys, make sure your Bibles go back in the cart and head to your small groups.